0: It's a nice intro. All right. Good morning, everybody. I'm calling our TJPA Board of Directors regular meeting of January 12, 2023 to order. Um, <clears throat> I'm Raphael Mandelman. I am the vice chair. I'm sitting as chair today because our, our real chair, Chair G, uh, cannot be here. This board meeting is being held in person at San Francisco City Hall. Members of the public may attend the meeting in person. Watch on SF cable channel 78, 28, or 99, depending on your provider. Or visit the SFGov TV website at www.sfgovtv.org to stream the live meeting. Madam Secretary, please call the roll.
1: Thank you, Vice Chair Mandelman. Uh, prior to taking roll, I'll go ahead and note that Directors Forbes, El and Chair G are absent. And thank you to Vice Chair Mandelman for presiding over the meeting with that. Uh, Director John Baptiste? Present. <laughs> John Baptiste present. Director Lipkin? Present. Lipkin present. Director Shaw? Here. Shaw present. Director Tumlin? Here. Tumlin present and Vice Chair Mandelman. Present. Present. Mandelman present as well. Um, Directors, you do have a quorum. Shall I call your next item? Please do. All right. Item three is communications. And directors, um, at this time, we'd like to note the process for members of the public to make public comment. Members of the public may comment on the meeting during public comment periods, in person or remotely. Uh, In-person public comment will be taken first. Remote public comment will be taken after. The public comment uh, call-in line is printed on the agenda, and dialing instructions should be scrolling at the bottom of the screen on SFGovTV. Are there any other communications? Seeing none, I'll call your next item. Yeah. Item four is Board of Directors, new and or old business, and directors, I'm not aware of any. Seeing that, I'll call your next item. Item five is Executive Director's Report.
2: Good morning, Directors, Happy New Year. Nice to see you all back here in <coughs> City Hall. Um, before I start my, my report, I wanna extend a few congratulations. Uh, first to directors Mandelman and Shaw for your re-election and swearing into your respective boards, Woo-hoo. as well as yesterday, uh, Director Mandelman uh, being sworn in again as uh, chair of the San Francisco County Transportation Authority. Um, also, Chair G, who's not with us here today, um, was recently elected chair of the Caltrain Board earlier this month, uh, as well as being elected as Redwood City's mayor this cycle. So we've got a lot of uh, great leadership here on the board. Um, also, congratulations to Director Tumlin and the entire SFMTA for their full opening of the Central Subway project uh, which is going to connect some of the city's communities um, and bring our diverse neighborhoods together. So that was, looked like a fantastic event. I was sorry to miss uh, over the weekend. Uh, on the staff level, I want to extend our congratulations to Ed Sum, our new chief engineer, um, who's uh, going to be taking the position that Dennis Tershon will be uh, has just vacated yeah, um, as is uh, his retirement, um, and also to welcome Becky Mincio, um, our new project controls director, who joins us from HNTB, where she was a consultant to the Link 21 project. She started on January 3rd and is familiar with the project and is getting up to speed very quickly. So we're very excited to have her uh, engaging with the team um, and our colleagues at the FTA. So as we start the new year, um, and I mark the end of my first year with the agency, uh, we look back on a busy 2022. Um, We welcomed over 30,000 attendees to the park in 2022, hosted more than 600 free activities and special events combined. Uh, including the holiday activities we offered last month that brought over 2,000 people to the park over two weekends. Uh, It was great to see many of you at our holiday park lighting, and we had about 1,500 people attend the three-day Winterfest the following weekend. Last year, we defied the downtown narrative to help four tenants open their spaces, uh, including Happy Lemon, Venga Empanadas, Kaiser's first care essential facility, and you really should stop by there and see their um, innovative prescription vending machine. The next time you're at the center, and our latest edition, Bear Bottle Brewing's new container tap room, which just opened last month in the main plaza of the park. So uh, you can come get yourself a drink um, up in the beautiful uh, rooftop park. We continue to have over ninety percent of our spaces leased, and Facility Director uh, Ari Walsh will provide more details in his update shortly. We continue to be committed to the reinvigoration of the neighborhood and downtown's SF economic recovery. We look forward to welcoming more riders to the center and are excited for the upcoming dining options opening up this quarter and the new park programming season of public activities offered to the 13,000 residents that live in the neighborhood. (coughs) Finally, uh, we've advanced the downtown rail extension project through 30% design um, and uh, towards the end of the year, rebranded it as the portal. With a newly rebranded name, we look towards advancing through the Federal Transit Administration's capital investment grant process by seeking your authorization to request entry into the engineering phase at our next meeting in February. The team has been steadfast and focused on ensuring we meet our technical milestones along with our funding milestones as we advance this important program to unlock up to half of the project's total costs. Um, we continue to pursue a number of funding sources for the portal project, which include at the state level a $60 million application we are preparing uh, for the state's cap and trade program, uh, the Transit Intercity Regional Capital Program, Cycle Six, which is due in early February. These existing funds uh, were maintained in, Gov- in Governor Newsom's January proposed budget, and we're happy to have the Metropolitan Transportation Commission's endorsement for our application. The Governor has proposed to cut funding for the TERSIP program in the next two fiscal years and we're coordinating with our partners at MTC and our state legislative advocates to advocate for restoration of this funding uh, as well as a legislative strategy for uh, for helping us meet our local matching funds for the FTA SIG submission. At the regional level, we're continuing to coordinate with the MTC on the expected rebalancing of their funding endorsements for mega projects as they await the results of TERSIP project funding awards at the end of this month and to figure out how much more money they may be able to endorse for other projects uh, like ours beyond the $60 million application in process. The federal level earlier this month, we received a list of the mega projects that were considered, which included our project. Although we haven't yet heard formally from USDOT, the list shows us not receiving award. There were only nine awards nationwide receiving a grant with only one $30 million grant award in the state of California um, for a total of $1 billion. The program is over five years, and we're looking to apply again later this year to leverage our available funding opportunities um, at every level. Finally, we're working with our partners along the rail corridor, <clears throat> as endorsed uh, also by the MTC, on an application for the Federal State Partnership for Intercity Rail, uh, which is due on March 7th. Our citizens' advisory committee um, met in preparation for this meeting, and we will be announcing a recruitment effort kicking off tomorrow, uh, Friday the 13th. Um, We have eight spots opening up with the opportunity for current members to reapply for a number of those positions. Uh, Any member of the public who's interested can uh, can find more information on our website at tjpa.org. And we hope to get the word out about this exciting opportunity to serve on our CAC and make an impact to the neighborhood's economic recovery, along with bringing down uh, rail into downtown SF and continuing it to the state's future rail system. In your board meeting packets, you'll find the project labor agreement quarterly report for the 40th meeting of the Joint Administrative Committee. As part of the normal quarterly reporting, Please note that in response to a union representative inquiry, apprentice hours were gathered to calculate an apprentice utilization rate for each of the tenant improvement contracts. And we're happy to report that the tenant improvement construction effort uh, rate of 16.67% for apprenticeship usage has been exceeded uh, at a rate of 18% as of today. So we have some good uh, participation there. This concludes my portion of the Executive Director Report. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have before we ask RE to provide the Facilities Report.
0: Colleagues, questions, concerns? All right, let's keep going. Great,
2: RE?
3: Uh, Good morning, uh, Chair Mendelman and Directors. I'm Ari Walsh, the TJPA Facility Director. It's my pleasure to be here with you this morning. For our facility operations update uh, in January, we were excited to host some lovely uh, holiday festivities uh, last month. Uh, The main ones would include Winterfest and then our holiday lighting. Uh, You'll see some familiar faces here uh, when we welcomed over 500 uh, people to the Salesforce Park on December 9th. With, uh, as uh, Director Vandewater mentioned, 1500 the following weekend for WinterFest. Some of our popular programs in December, despite the wet weather, were Zumba, midday music, and Toddler Thursday, as usual. Park attendance is uh, trending upwards in the right direction again despite some wet weather and the holidays in December, uh, but we are going in the right direction and we expect these numbers to improve even more in 2023. Our winter programming is uh, officially kicking off. We have eight weekly programs and three monthly programs. And in addition to the ones you see here in the chart, uh, we'll also be featuring a poetry series on Thursdays. And the Scottish Fiddlers in March will be also joining us. So it would be very nice to compliment Bear Bottle in the Salesforce Park. New programming, which I'm especially excited to announce and discuss. Uh, we've got some nice, mellow things like meditative silent disco. We have the mission's very own Banda Sin Nombre, who plays uh, folk music from around the world. They also put on drag shows and other festive events uh, that I'm, just, again, really excited to, uh, to check out. We've also got engaging math circles that I wish were around when I was a kid. Um, They're they're actually very cool and um, really gets the whole family and kiddos involved in um, great educational type events. Upcoming events. So in February, coming right around the corner, we have SF Beer Week kickoff happening in Salesforce Park and that'll be occurring from noon to 5 p.m. We'll have some live music there and uh, two-ounce tastings from more than 20 breweries all over California. So very excited to see who shows up for that. Uh, We'll also have... uh, Many restaurants within the center serving food, which will be great. Uh, We've also got empanadas up on the park all the time, uh, but will be especially present here uh, during this event. And more info to come, but tickets are on sale now, and we encourage you to go take a look. Uh, You've noticed that we've had some severe storms uh, over the last couple weeks. I believe we've had actually more than a foot of rain since the 26th of December which is uh, welcomed I will say but a a little scary as a facility director. We've uh, had great teams on site. We've all been walking the center uh, really uh, focusing on the teamwork here and we have proudly no reported incidents. We're not out of the woods yet, we've still got some more storms to hit us, um, but we are taking a look and making sure the park is, number one, safe, but number two, if there's any damage that we're addressing it right away. And if I didn't say it earlier, there's no reported issues. Uh, ridership so um, some of the major rider or major operators have not uh, published data for December it's the, the holidays are wreaking a little bit of havoc uh, with the weather in early January um, but we expect those to be out soon uh, we did pull together some data nationally and compared it with the Pacific region and is showing the uh, Some tapering in December, especially, uh, with some spikes due to holiday volatility, which is expected. Retail leasing updates. Uh, As I mentioned a few times before, Bear Bottle Brewing is now open. Uh, They're open 12 to 8 PM with the final call or last call at 7 PM. And also, as mentioned, they've got some uh, four different flavors of empanada, if I'm not mistaken. And yes, I've tried them all. They're great. Uh, retail updates coming soon. Uh, Charlie's Philly Steaks uh, actually passed their uh, fire test this morning, uh, as a couple hours ago. So uh, they just need to complete their hiring, which I should do a plug for them. They are now hiring, uh, and uh, expect to be online in the coming weeks. Uh, sh- Shortly behind them will be per diem in Tycoon Kitchen. Uh, They're wrapping up a few little items and should be uh, performing their inspections also in the month of January. Uh, I want to say next week, but I don't know 100%, so it'll be in in January, but very soon. Uh, 2023 openings, Via Vi, Dimbows, Juice Bar, Show Market, which will be on the ground floor, and then uh, the Show Restaurant, which will be up in the park. Uh, and then we've also got Pokey House. We haven't figured out their exact uh, launch date yet, uh, but we're hoping it's gonna be either Q2 or Q3. And to show some nice images, uh, Charlie's is rare indigo. go. Now, they're now hiring signs out front. Per Diem just completed their flooring. I'm not sure if they meant it to look like Warriors colors, but I am a big fan of it, looks great. <clears throat> uh, Tycoon Kitchen right next door. And via Vi, the top picture is the rendering, and the most recent item that they've updated is the walk-in cooler on the right there. And that concludes my updates. I'm happy to answer any questions or address any concerns.
0: Colleagues, gratitude. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. What else you got for us?
2: This concludes the executive director's report and we're ready for the next item if there's no further questions.
1: We'll just go ahead and check for public comment um, move before moving on. Uh, scanning the room. I don't see any members of the public that wish to comment on the executive director's report. Uh, taking a look online, Giving that a moment. And we do have one member of the public that wishes to provide public comment. Moderator, if you could please let the caller in. Hello, caller, please state your name. Your 2 minutes.
4: Hi, this is Jim Jim Patrick with Patrick and Company. I wanted to uh, address the uh, project labor agreement and the fact that it's the policy uh, of the board to pay the highest wages possible and I think that's a poor public policy. It's like uh, having a policy to pay the highest profit for uh, any contractor uh, or any service provider. So I think uh, that's a poor policy and I think it should be revisited as a, uh, as a matter of uh, a good public judgment. Thank you.
1: Thank you, caller. Checking to see if there are any other members that wish to provide public comment. I do not see any more hands raised. We'll go ahead and call your next item. All right, directors, item six is the Citizens Advisory Committee update. Uh, And um, I'll go ahead and note that CAC Chair Larkin is unable to be present today. But on behalf of the uh, CAC, I'm confirming that the CAC had an informative and productive meeting this past Tuesday and there were no items of significance that they would like to bring to your attention. And with that, we will also check and see if there are members of the public uh, in the uh, room first that uh, want to comment on the item. Seeing none, we'll also check online. And I do not see any hands raised uh, for members of the public that wish to comment on item 6, the Citizen Advisory uh, Committee update. So I'll go ahead and move to your next item. All right. All right. Directors, item seven is uh, public comment for uh, members to, uh, of the public to, um, to p- address the board on um, uh, matters that are uh, within the authority's uh, jurisdiction but are not on today's calendar. And we will also scour the, scour, scour is probably not it. We'll scan the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, scour is what I do in the bathroom. No, um, scan the room, checking to see if members of the public uh, wish to provide public comment, not seeing any and uh, checking online giving them a moment to uh, raise their electronic hand seeing no members of the public wishing to comment on item seven we can go ahead and move into your consent calendar great all right uh, directors your next item is the consent calendar While all matters uh, listed are considered to be routine and would be acted upon by a single vote there would be no separate discussion of the items unless a member of the board or the public so requests in which event the matter would be removed from the consent calendar and considered separately. And directors, I've not received any indication that a member of the board or the public wishes to have any items considered separately. Um, However, I will scan the room and check for public comment uh, before checking online. Seeing no members in the room wishing to comment, checking online. There are no members of the public that wish to address you on the consent calendar and no members of the board uh, wishing to have items considered separately. I'll go ahead and read your items. Item 8.1 is approving the minutes of the December 8th, 2022 meeting. Item 8.2 is approving the continued use of teleconferencing technologies for COVID-related health reasons for meetings of the legislative bodies of the TJPA pursuant to the provisions of Assembly Bill 361. Item 8.3 is authorizing the Executive Director to execute first amendments to lease agreements with Dimbau's for two commercial retail spaces on the first floor of the Transit Center for Dimbau's Restaurant and for Juice Bar, consistent with the previously adopted retail commercial leasing strategy to address COVID-19 impacts to tenancies, uh, that is your consent calendar.
0: Great, thank you Madam Secretary. Uh, is there a first?
5: Move approval, <laughs> John Baptiste. And a
0: second, all right. All right, with a first the roll.
1: and a second. Uh, Director John Baptiste? Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw? Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. And Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. The consent calendar is approved. Go ahead and move into your regular calendar. All These right. Um, excited and pleased to uh, call your next item. Item nine is appointing Andrea Miller to the position of Chief Financial Officer for the TJPA. And Adam Vanderwater, our Executive Director, will present the item.
2: Directors, we're excited to have uh, Andrea Miller with us here today as your consideration uh, with a resolution to appoint as our chief financial officer. Um, As you know, the CFO is responsible for the financial activities of the TJPA, um, including management of the finance team, debt financing, budgets and budget monitoring, financial systems and reports, project cash flow monitoring, project reimbursements, and payroll and audits. So we're quite excited to have uh, Andrea here with you today. Um, Following extensive outreach over the last several months, uh, we had 23 individuals submit their resumes and letters of interest for the uh, position. Ms. Miller stood out among the applicants and was the unanimous selection of the interview panel and TJPA leadership. Her mix of strong technical skills, extensive finance, and capital program management, political acumen, can-do management style, and enthusiasm for the vision of the Transbay program set her apart as the best fit for the position of CFO for the TJPA her expertise lends well to delivering on the vision of the program and makes her the best fit for the position of the Chief Financial Officer. She has 25 years of combined experience in public, private, and nonprofit sectors, and most recently worked at the East Bay Municipality Utilities District as their controller and held financial management roles in several East Bay cities, including the cities of Pinole, Pleasanton, and Richmond. Ms. Miller's resume is attached for your view, as well as the resolution recommending her for your consideration. Um, and she's with us here today. Andrea, would you like to
6: say a few words? Good morning, members of the board. Um, It is an honor to be here in this beautiful historic building this morning um, to uh, hopefully receive your um, uh, approval of my appointment to the Chief Financial Officer position. Um, I look forward to working with each of you through the Executive Director and uh, Chief of Staff, and I'm really excited to be here and joining TJPA. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Ms. Miller. Thank you, Director Vandewater. Um, colleagues, any comments or questions? Seeing, well, maybe uh, seeing. Don't,
7: <laughs>
8: I was just gonna say, I was gonna recommend we move forward with this, and I've heard good things, and so I look forward to working with you, so thank you. Thank
7: you. And if that's a motion, mm-hmm. I
0: will second. All right, we have a motion and a second, but we need to do public comment, I believe.
1: Very good, yes, uh, we will scan the room scan the room for public comment I uh, see no members of the public wishing to provide comment uh, online uh, we have no electronic hands raised uh, so with that first and a second I'll go ahead and do a roll call vote director John Baptiste
9: aye
1: John Baptiste aye director Lipkin aye Lipkin aye director Shaw aye Shaw, aye. director Tumlin
10: aye
1: Tumlin aye and uh, vice chair Manaman. aye Manamon aye as well uh, the uh, item is approved, and congratulations. Thank
2: you. Welcome, as Welcome. Congratulations. Welcome, Andrea.
1: All right, we'll go ahead and move to item 10 on your regular calendar, which is approving the fiscal year 23-24 preliminary operating projection in the amount of 27319000 And Oscar Quintanilla, TJPA Budget and Procurement Director, will present the item.
11: Uh, good morning, directors. I don't know if you can tell I'm the happiest staff member at TJPA <laughs> right now. Wow. <laughs> 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 It's been a long year. Um, It's
8: been a long year and it's only been 11 days or something like that. (laughs)
11: Um, I want to start the presentation with a brief overview of our budget process. So last June, with the adoption of the current year budget, we included a five-year projection. Largely based on those projections, we provided an operating budget to our two primary tenants in September. Um, our lease ag- and use agreement with AC Transit and the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency requires the GJAPA board to adopt a preliminary operating budget projection by January 31st to allow the transit operators to plan for their next year budget. The operating projections, and, and that's the item before you today, the operating projections will be refined in the coming months, and staff will develop a draft budget for the operating that service and capital budgets as well as the initial capital improvement plan. In April, we'll present the budget outlook, and in May, we'll present the draft budgets to you. Um, And then we'll come back in June to present the proposed budgets for the upcoming fiscal year, as well as the initial capital improvement plan. Um, Some highlights on what we're presenting to you today. The total operating budget projection is 27.3 million, and includes two main changes uh, from the September projection. So we, have taken a closer look at retail and advertising revenue and they are recovering at a slower pace than initially anticipated, um, as well as uh, anticipated additional insurance costs due to the increases to construction and equipment. And so in order to maintain the primary tenant contributions at the same level as initially projected and to accommodate these higher costs, staff is recommending adjusting across uh, most budget categories keeping them at or slightly above the current budget levels. We recognize that with um, even with this adjustment, there's a growth or an increase in the primary tenant's contributions year over year, and it's primarily due to us fully spending the federal COVID relief funds. And the second change uh, in this uh, projection is the adoption of the capital improvement plan. So cost categories and revenues that are dedicated to capital improvements have been removed from this budget, and we'll come back to you as part of the Capital Improvement Plan. Here's a a snapshot of our revenues. Um, In addition to anticipated reimbursements, operator contributions, and general fund revenues, the total resources for this year include a transfer of fund balance from fiscal year 22 for a total of about 28 million. Uh, On the expense side, the budget is divided into the Salesforce Transit Center costs and the costs directly associated with the rooftop park. And the total expense budget of 27.32 million. Um, Again, with most cost categories at or slightly above the levels from the current year. And with with this uh, operating projection, we are recommending transferring the remaining fiscal 22 fund balance to our operating and maintenance reserve increasing to 5.78 million, which is about 21% of the variable expense budget. Um, as we've told you in the past, like we're slightly and slowly making progress towards that 25% board-adopted goal. Um, and as we describe in the staff report, we're closely monitoring RM3 and, and the resolution with RM3. So... Through the end of 22, we have identified $4.5 million in expenses that are eligible for reimbursement from RM3, should MTC um, have a favorable outcome on that, on that lawsuit. And we, what we would recommend is using some of those reimbursements to fully fund the o reserve to the 25% uh, board uh, approved level. And this 25% is in line with FDA guidance of having three months of operating cost in reserve. During this budget process, we're also preparing a contingency plan. Should uh, MTC not have a far- favorable outcome on RM3 or it's continued to be delayed? So uh, we'll come back to you with more information in March in, a- in April and May on-, on what we're planning to do, if that's the case. And with that, I'd happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you.
8: Thank you. Thank um, you. So thank you, I, I do appreciate that you were able to keep the numbers to what they were in September. Um, and I and I understand as we approved earlier, some abatements in some of the lease processes. Um, but I gotta say, things are not recovering as quickly as all of us would like. Um, and transit is no different than a restaurant in that it's not coming back and we don't have the funds either. So. Um, you know, it's a we. It's a nine. What is it? A 9.3 increase to AC Transit, um, and that uh, could be an issue moving forward. Um, so I'm just going to make a comment that says we kind of need to look at that from everybody's perspective um, as we move forward because it could be an issue.
9: Thank you.
0: Thank you, Director. Director Jean Baptiste.
9: Thank you. Um, I just want to acknowledge the efforts of the staff to address the question of the operating reserve. This is something that has been a concern on my mind for the past couple of years. And I have raised repeatedly a desire to either fund it at the policy level or have a strategy to get there. And I appreciate it's not easy to fill those kinds of gaps and just appreciate the fact that you all have figured out both how to move it closer to the policy amount in this uh, proposed or this projection and also a strategy to get the, get all the way there, so thank you for that.
10: Thank you.
0: All right, let's see if we have public comment.
1: All right, uh, we'll check the room uh, for members of the public that wish to provide public comment. Seeing none, checking online. No members of the public wish to provide comment on the item, so we have first. first.
0: There a motion to approve this item, moved by Jean Baptiste. is so moved.
1: Second. Second.
0: Seconded by Lipkin. Um, Madam Secretary, please call the roll.
1: Thank you very much. With that, uh, Director Jean Baptiste. Aye. Jean Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, uh, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. And Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye as well. Item ten is approved. We'll go ahead and call your next item. Is All right. Item eleven is authorizing the executive director to execute an agreement for federal advocacy services with Carpe and Clay for five years in compensation of up to one point one million with an option to extend the agreement for up to three <coughs> one year terms. And directors Lily Majiswoo, TJPA Communications and Ledge Affairs Director will present.
6: Thank you. Good morning, everyone, Chair uh, Mandelman and directors. I'm here before you today to recommend uh, accepting selection committee report and um, authorize the executive director to execute the agreement for federal advocacy services with Carpe and Clay. Um, Our current federal advocacy contract ends this month. Um, So the Transbay. Uh, TJPA desires to continue to have effective relationships with federal authorities in D.C. um, for our transit center um, operations and also our downtown rail extension project that's currently underway, now known as the portal. As you know, we've been really busy on the legislative front, on the federal level, and um, we foresee that it's gonna continue, um, especially as we request entry into the engineering phase um, next month, as mentioned by Director Vanderwater, and also as we pursue financing federal loans under the Transportation Infrastructure Finance and Innovation Act, which is known as TIFIA, and also Railroad Rehabilitation and Improvement Financing, which is the RIF program. In addition, we want to be able to take advantage of the bipartisan infrastructure law program um, that has a five-year life um, and um, are underway with various grants pursuing um, funding for the portal. Um, Thus, uh, we recommend that you um, approve this recommendation as the selected firm brings a bipartisan team of government relations professionals with decades of experience representing in D.C. They actually have served with us for the past 15 years as well as our federal advocates. Um, the staff report is in your packet. Um, I'd be happy to answer any questions. And Julie Minerva from Carpian and Clay is also here and can answer any questions you may have.
0: All right. Thank you, colleagues. Comments or questions? Let's see if we have public comment. All
1: right. Checking the room for uh, public comment. Members wishing to provide comment on item 11 have an opportunity to do so now. I'm checking online. Seeing none, uh, directors, it's to you
9: for a motion.
0: All right. Is there a motion to approve item 11? Moved by Tumlin. Is there a second? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> i second. Second by Jean Baptiste. Um, right. Madam Secretary, please call the roll.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, Director jean Baptiste? <laughs> aye. John Baptiste? Aye. Director Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin? Aye. Director Shaw? Aye. Shaw? Aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin? Aye. And Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman? Aye as well. Item 11 is approved. I'll go ahead and call your next item. Stay right there. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Item 12 is authorizing the executive director to execute an agreement for state and regional advocacy services with towns and public affairs for five years in compensation of 630000 with an option to extend the agreement for up to three one-year terms. And we have Lily Magiswu, our TGPA legislative and comms director, to present.
6: Good morning again. Um, Similar to the federal advocacy contract, the current state uh, um, contract expires this month. We recommend um, Townsend Public Affairs for um, this new contract to Um, ensure that we have representation in Sacramento. Um, As mentioned, there is um, upcoming uh, interesting um, budgetary considerations on the state level and also for the transit center in terms of operations and for the portal as we move forward. So a robust um, federal program is complemented by a robust state and um, regional advocacy program and we recommend you um, support this uh, contract. The report is in your packet. I forgot to note. Townsend Public Affairs has been serving with us for about 12 years, so they will continue that effort. And so with your approval, of course, I'm happy to answer any questions. And Nicola DeLuca, Vice President of Townsend Public Affairs, is here to answer any questions you may have.
0: All right. Thank you, colleagues. All right. Let's see if we have public comment.
1: All right. Members of the public, may provide public comment if there are any in the room. Seeing none. Right. Seeing none online as well, directors.
0: Okay. Uh, is there a motion to approve item twelve? So
5: moved.
0: Dire- second. Thank you, Director Lipkin. Second. There's a second from Tumlin. Madam Secretary,
1: please call the roll. Thank you, Vice Chair. Uh, with that, Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste. Aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin. Aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw. Aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin. Aye. And Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman. Aye. As well, item twelve is approved. Go ahead and call your next item. Let's do it. All right, item 13 is the San Francisco Peninsula Rail Program Executive Steering Committee update and the status of the Downtown Rail Extension, now also known as the Portal Work Plan Schedule, and Michelle Bouchard, the Caltrain Executive Director, as well as the ESC Chair, will provide the update, followed by Alfonso Rodriguez, Project Director, for the status on the schedule.
9: Thank you. Um, Good morning, Chair Mandelman, members of the board. Um, I am the chair of the ESC for the last couple of weeks. I feel like I've been running a tree removal company, Some of you can relate to that. I want to wish everybody uh, a happy belated new year. Um, You know, we have reported over the course of the last year just uh, at a breakneck pace, excellent progress on the portal project. Uh, And we are going to continue that momentum into 2023. So I just wanted to give you a brief report on what we talked about over the course of the last month. uh, And then I will hand it over to Alfonso for an update on the schedule. Um, So the item before you today is is, uh, we're going to be requesting your adoption of a California Environmental Quality or CEQA addendum to the Transbay program uh, addressing modifications to the Downtown Rail Extension project. These modifications were developed from the phasing study, uh, which has previously been presented here, and the operational analysis work conducted by the IPMT in 2021, uh, and it was previously also presented to the ESC. Uh, and we approved that as well as this board did. The ESC received a presentation last month on the CEQA study and it forwards its recommendation to the board to adopt the addendum. You'll also receive a briefing on an ongoing companion NEPA evaluation being advanced in collaboration with the FTA. I will ask project director Alfonso Rodriguez to provide a look ahead of activities that lie ahead, including the work associated with developing the project procurement strategy generated by the board adopted project delivery study. So that concludes my very brief remarks. Alfonso, if you will join me.
7: Thank you, Chair Bashar. So, good morning. Uh, Chair Manningman, board members, I'm gonna just go through the slide deck that's, whoops, it's not up. It, it, oh, okay. Um, briefly, because it looks largely like what you saw last month, but it is our intent to bring this back before you monthly and in future presentations, we'll further expand the balance of the year. Uh, what I wanna point out or draw your attention to is, uh, next month, as Adam alluded to, our, our executive director, is gonna be a very busy month. In fact, it marks a milestone where the project team will be uh, requesting your authorization to allow us to request entry to the next phase of the Federal Transit Administration New Starts Program. And that represents a big milestone to the project. At that point, all the documentation that we've been working on uh, this last couple of years uh, will be reviewed by the FTA and their consultants. And then we engage with them in the following six months to ensure that we were both aligned with the plan, the cost, the schedule, the estimate, so that when we request our grant, which is presently anticipated for August of next year, we're aligned on on all of those elements, and that matter will come back to you. Um, Another item that we modified in the look ahead is that we're gonna be bringing before you next month also a request to approve a MOA, with Caltrain which will allow them to assign a project manager to work with us as we develop the Caltrain rail yard infrastructure relocation required for the downtown, for the portal project. And so that's a new item that's on the look ahead that'll be coming before you in February. So um, I don't think, right, I'm sorry, one last new item that appears next month and that's an amendment to our general engineering uh, consultant contract. Uh, We're finding that our schedule is is requiring us to begin a good amount of the advanced utility relocation work that's not presently authorized in their current contract authority that we brought before this board a couple years ago. Uh, So that matter will be coming before you for consideration. Pretty much the rest of the activities that will be appearing before the board remain the same. And then, like I said, in the following months, we'll expand it. To show greater detail in the out months. Anyway, that concludes uh, my discussion on the look ahead. I'm available to answer any questions you might have.
0: Colleagues,
8: thank you. Um, the only question I have—oops, wherever that went—is um, the MOU or MOA that we're doing with Caltrain. Is something that, that was always planned, or is that something new?
7: So, uh, are you referring to the one that appearing in February, yeah. or th- yeah? Um, no it wasn't uh, we in in our we've been working very closely with Caltrain and their staff to um, advance all of the work that needs to be advanced before we start awarding the big contracts and what we feel is appropriate and necessary is to um, provide is to allow Caltrain to assign a project manager because the work that we plan on doing in the rail yard is is on live track operations and so we just totally appreciate and understand the fact that they need a representative embedded in the design team to make sure that what we're designing meets their criteria and their operating parameters because like I said, it's a live, uh, there are live track operations that we're gonna be working next to.
8: Yeah, and I totally understand that need too, so I support that. I just wasn't sure if the, if the funding available for that was something that had been planned or if this is new funding we have to come up with.
7: No, it, would, it, it represents funding that's already been um, included in the project budget. It's just allocating a, a portion of it. We have always planned on having an operations staff person um, that is knowledgeable of Caltrain standards to be assigned. We're merely now transferring that responsibility to Caltrain. And then the funds that have been reserved for that um, to reimburse them. Thank you. Thank you, Director Shaw. Yeah.
0: All right, let's see if we have public comment.
1: We do. Uh, we'll check the room first before we uh, allow the electronic hand through. No one in the room. Moderator, go ahead and let the public uh, commenter through.
4: Good morning, uh, directors, and uh, Happy New Year, Roland Bryant San Jose. Um, I do have um, a couple of comments here, which are essentially preempting my comments on the next item. Uh, with regards to the uh, re- reimbursement and agreement with Caltrain. When I initially designed the PAX 11 years ago, the objective was to have zero impact on Caltrain operations. And hopefully um, we're going to be uh, considering this. And um, the not too distant future. Um, at that point in time, it's, it's unclear why we will have to get into, into this, uh, this agreement. You will actually see on the next item that caltrain uh, provided information that was basically violated caltrain engineering standards um on the gc consultant agreement well once again if we break separate instead of start ripping up utilities all over the place it's an unclear there where we will need to make some changes and last point is that on the governance update is becoming increasingly clear that we made the wrong decision uh, last year when we chose the model. And I would recommend that we um, accelerate um, this rather than waiting for April and May to, um, to address this uh, issue. Thank you.
1: Thank you, caller. That concludes members of the public that wanted to comment on that item. This is information, so we can go ahead and move into your next item.
0: Great. All right. Thank you, Alfonso. Thank you, Director Bouchard. All
1: right, Alfonso stay right there. Uh, (laughs) Item 14 is adopting the addendum to the Transbay Program 2018 final supplemental environmental impact report, adopting and incorporating into the downtown rail extension project all of the revisions to four previously adopted mitigation measures as presented in the addendum, adopting the revised mitigation monitoring and reporting program under the California Environmental Quality Act, and approving the revised uh, downtown rail extension project analyzed therein. Uh, Directors Alfonso Rodriguez uh, with uh, Rod Jung of AECOM will present the item.
7: Thank you, let me just wait for the slide deck to post. Great. So once again, um, I'm, I'm just gonna give introductory comments and then I'll turn over the presentation to Rod Jong from our Program Management Project Controls team. Uh, but before I turn it over to our presenter, I wanted to point out that the project configuration mani- uh, modifications that were assessed in the study stem from the configuration changes developed from the phasing study and the corresponding operations analysis that were reviewed by the IPMT and presented to the board as recommended to the ESC back in 2021. Adopting today's recommendations permits TJPA to submit its request to the FTA in February with documentation required, um, with the documentation required to request that entry into engineering with an agency approved and defined project corresponding with an estimated cost and schedule that will be presented before this board next month. And then at that time, as I mentioned, the FTA will take um, all of this documentation and begin its assessment. But I'm gonna turn this presentation over to Rod, and I'll sit over here and advance the slides for him. Good
10: morning, members of the TJPA board. I wanted to wish you all a belated Happy New Year, but a very bright 2023. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Alfonso, for for the introduction. Um, So today's presentation will, as previously described, cover the CEQA addendum, uh, which you've been requested to take action on today. Um, and update you on the status of the NEPA, or National Environmental Policy Act review, um, currently underway with the Federal Transit Administration. Next slide please, that is it. (laughs) So let me explain first what an addendum is under the California Environmental Quality Act, and why it is the appropriate uh, type of CEQA document to prepare for the refinements that staff has advanced for your consideration. Um, Following the certification of an environmental impact report, as was done by the TJPA board in 2018. An addendum can be prepared if, and there are three specific conditions. The first being, are the changes to the project, is there new information, or are there changes to the setting that end up causing new significant impacts, or something more substantially severe than was previously reported? Under that particular condition, um, if there are such circumstances, then an addendum wouldn't be appropriate. Um, Second, if there are new mitigation measures or alternatives that were previously considered infeasible but are now considered feasible and the TJPA board declines to adopt those modifications, that would not qualify for an addendum. So these are very important things to keep in mind and the presentation that I'll go through today will pretty much cover um, why the addendum is the appropriate CEQA pathway. So the analysis that was performed shows that more extensive environmental analysis, such as a supplemental or subsequent environmental document, are really not needed. And the prior environmental document, that that was certified in 2018, remains valid and an addendum is appropriate. So as a preview to why the project changes can be addressed in an addendum, it's helpful to quickly review some of those changes And as as Alfonso begins to advance the slides, you'll note that most of the project changes involve deferral, and in this case, elimination from the currently proposed project, um, or reductions in the size and scale of operations that were previously approved. So next slide, please. So I'm gonna cover the project changes quickly, um, but they're organized into various sub-areas that comprise the corridor. The first area is around the Salesforce Transit Center, where project changes involve an underground pedestrian connector, an inner city bus facility, an associated taxi staging area, and an extended train box. As shown in this slide, um, particularly on the left-hand side, or I'm sorry, on the right-hand side, there are all cap letters, or words that are in capital letters. Those will emphasize the nature of the change that's being proposed as part of the action for today. Next slide. This, this slide identifies the change to the mine tunnel segment along 2nd and Townsend Street. And in this segment, it's where the number of tracks would be reduced from three to two, thereby allowing a smaller tunnel. Next slide. Okay, The Caltrain Station and Rail Yard is the only area where project changes would be greater. In other words, the footprint or the size or the scale of operations are going to be larger than was previously approved in 2018. It includes the 4th and Townsend Street Station where the footprint will be larger. And the tunnel stub box would be realigned so that more of it would occur along Townsend Street. But overall, sort of in net terms, the tunnel stub box had previously been designed on the Caltrain Rail Yard. And the new tunnel stub box would be shorter and would be less... Deeply constructed. Next slide. Finally, there is a sub area that is south of the Caltrain rail yard along the Caltrain main line along Seventh Street, and in this segment, there was proposed or approved um, tracks needed for rail operations, primarily a turnback track and maintenance of way tracks. The proposed revisions called for those tracks to be shortened so that they no longer have to cross at grade at Sixteenth Street and then extend further on to Mariposa. Next slide. So the analyses and, and documentation before you demonstrates that these changes to the project do not result in new or substantially more severe significant impacts. This slide begins to show each of those different changes on the left-hand side and on the right-hand side, the implications in terms of new impacts So the project components that are proposed to be deferred, eliminated, or reduced are shown on the left-hand side, as I mentioned, and they involve less construction and occupy a smaller footprint. The related construction and operational effects would therefore be less than previously reported. I wanted to point out in particular that the reduced Salesforce Transit Center train box would avoid land acquisition and displacement that had been identified in the previous document when the train box was gonna be extended all the way across Main Street. Um, The reduced track work that occurs south of Caltrain, the rail yard, would avoid the significant pedestrian and circulation impacts that had been previously identified and for which mitigation measures were recommended and adopted. It would also avoid many of the transportation impacts or concerns that were raised by the city, by medical facilities and institutions, because of concerns about emergency access into the Mission Bay Area, and a lot of the property owners who felt that there would be backups and queuing and congestion on the streets. So none of that would occur as a result of this proposed change. Next slide. So in contrast to the three components or four components that I just described, there is the expansion of the project footprint associated with the new entrance and exit pavilion at the Salesforce Transit Center. It's a very small parcel, It's on TJPA property, um, and the effects would be minimal because it's essentially a a piece of transportation infrastructure that would be part of the portal and would be surrounded by similar type uses. Um, On the other hand, there are design modifications to the 4th and Townsend Street Station and the tunnel stub box, and these would result in greater construction-related impacts, uh, particularly along Townsend Street for circulation, things related to air emissions and noise for properties along Johnson. Uh, Primarily between 4th and 7th Street, the station would require approximately 0.3 acres of the Caltrain rail yard, but the realigned tunnel stub box, as I mentioned, would offset some of these impacts because it would be smaller um, than previously approved. The significant construction impacts for these two project components are the same as identified in the 2004 and 2018 environmental documents And the most important thing to note is that the mitigation measures that were previously adopted from those environmental documents have been approved, have been incorporated into the Transbay program, and would apply to any new construction activities occurring at the rail yard or along Townsend Street. Those mitigation measures reduce the impact to less than significant. And so it does not change the previous conclusions from the um, 2018 supplemental environmental document. Next slide. Okay. So the second question or second condition is whether there are new changes to the setting, uh, to circumstances under which the project will be implemented. And in order to do this, it was important to take a look at all the things that have occurred since 2018 or that are projected to occur as a result of project changes and, and uh, planning policies. So I'd like to highlight five particular areas that we studied uh, because we knew that these were areas that had changed. So on this slide, uh, the first area that we considered was transportation. And if you are around the Salesforce Transit Center, you will have noted that there are all sorts of street improvements, pedestrian improvements, uh, safety improvements, transit uh, improvements for Muni. All of those things are important, and they are all things that the portal project will complement. the portal project will continue to, not in any way, adversely affect any of those improvements. Um, They actually benefit the portal project. So the transportation projects, um, the short-term ones that have occurred, are not gonna adversely affect anything having to do with the portal project. We did take a look at some of the future projects, like the high-speed rail, uh, the Pennsylvania Avenue extension, things like that. I'll touch upon those in just a moment. So moving on to the next area was demographics. Sorry, so can we go back just one? I'll try to speed it up a little bit. Um, it's obviously clear that the population, the number of housing units, and the amount of non-residential uh, floor area have increased tremendously along the South Market area, um, especially if you just drive along Townsend Street. However, these changes are reflective of the city's general plan and area plans that direct more growth along transit corridors, which the project would support. So the changes to transportation and demographics would not cause the project to result in new significant impacts. Next slide. Although there have been changes um, to the land use and aesthetics along the corridor, um, and you'll see on the image on the right-hand side a sort of a massing diagram or a visual simulation of what it might look like in the future with the implementation of the central SOMA and some other area plans. So there's going to be a, a substantial change in the land use character. Uh, in the intensity and the visual scale of the development. Um, However, with these changes, they're all consistent with local and regional plans to promote higher density mixed uses around transit, which again, the project would support. So there are no adverse impacts associated with the portal project on these characteristics. Next slide. So with the change in development of the corridor, more noise and vibration sensitive uses, have developed and will be developed adjacent to the alignment. And when I say noise sensitive and vibration sensitive uses, it's primarily the residential uses or hotel uses. The mitigation measures, as I mentioned previously, that were adopted and incorporated into the Transbay program address these types of impacts. Noise and vibration would be reduced uh, to less than significant. Those same mitigation measures would apply now and reduce any effects. In addition, there have been uh, updates to the DTX design criteria that further reduce some of the potential impacts associated with noise and vibration. Next slide. The final area that we took special consideration and review of was the cultural resources. Um, And there have been changes for cultural resources with the adoption of a new historic district along Townsend Street known as the Clyde and Crooks Warehouse District and the Marine Firemen's Union Headquarters on Second Street um, has become of historic age when most buildings are considered eligible, and that's when they turn 45 years old. Both of these resources are considered eligible. Yes, I I know. (laughs) Both both of these resources are considered eligible for the National uh, Register of Historic Places, but based on the design of the facility of the portal, which would be underground in both locations, there are no above-ground features that would adversely affect the integrity of those structural uh, historic resources, um, and they're not gonna be encroaching onto any of those properties. So any potential effects would be reduced by the previously adopted mitigation measures, as I've said over and over again, but there's also a memorandum of agreement that's been executed with the state historic preservation officer, the city, TJPA, Caltrain, High Speed Rail Authority, and other signatories, so. on that point, I just want to make sure that everyone understood that there's nothing associated with the second condition that is changes to circumstances or the setting or new information that would warrant something other than an addendum. Next slide. So this is the final condition, and that is whether there's a mitigation measure or alternatives that were previously considered infeasible but are now deemed feasible and would reduce the impact substantially and the TJPA board declines to adopt those mitigation measures or alternatives. And that isn't the case here. We have a situation today where the mitigation measures previously adopted are still viable and remain valid. Um, And I'll talk a little bit further about the alternatives in just a moment. Okay. Next one. Yes. So in conclusion for the CEQA addendum portion, um, the board is being asked to take action on the addendum the presentation that I just went through explains why an addendum is appropriate um, and valid. And the four actions, I'm not gonna repeat them because they've already been mentioned, uh, but we are recommending that staff uh, staff's recommendations be adopted. I do wanna say just real quickly before closing the section on CEQA that there were public comments received um, on the addendum, and I wanted to address them very quickly um, just for the benefit of the record for today. So the public comment raised six specific points. The first one is that there are new mitigation measures and there are new alternatives that would reduce the impact substantially. That is a correct statement. The mined tunnel along 2nd and Townsend would in fact reduce some of the impacts that were previously identified. There was a lot of consideration put into whether the tunnel could be reduced, it was found to be feasible. Um, It has been approved by the environmental uh, executive steering committee and recommended to the TJP board for adoption. So the action that you would take today to adopt that alternative in fact, allows the addendum to move forward. It in no way invalidates the previous environmental document. It requires any additional CEQA analysis. So that's a little quirky, but um, I just wanted to point that out. The second is that the mine tunnel, the second comment that was made is that the mine tunnel um, is not constructible. Well, the design has been studied and evaluated by a team of professional engineers specializing in tunneling, uh, engineering, geology, And that documentation has been provided to the Integrated Project Management Team. It's been reviewed and vetted, and it's been recommended that it be um, considered for approval. It was accepted. So I don't think there's any concerns or questions about the constructability of the mine tunnel. The third point was that the train box plans represent an existential threat to Link 21 or a new trans-bay crossing. Um, the Salesforce Transit Center Station plans would not dread, threaten or jeopardize Link 21. In fact, the TJPA team has involved BART consistently and regularly and included them in discussions over the plans and designs for the extended train box. BART has not indicated in any way that the train box precludes in any way a new Transbay crossing. Uh, the fourth point that was raised has to do with the fourth track crossing of Mission Bay and how that would violate Caltrain's standards. There is a plan to put in a fourth track at Mission Bay that would enable the shorter Transbay, I mean enable the shorter turn back and maintenance away tracks so it doesn't have to extend to 16th Street in Mariposa. However, it should be noted that it was Caltrain themselves who actually recommended that proposal. And so it is a viable operational piece of equipment. Um, Caltrain has also indicated that they are not using it for revenue service. They are not gonna be operating it during the peak hour. So it is just for flexibility and operations for trains to move back and forth to the 4th and King rail yard. The fifth comment that was made is that BART and Muni should take over immediately the underground pedestrian connector um, I wanted to point out that the study that was completed, the phasing study that was completed in September of 2021, uh, found that the deferral of the connector would, in fact, be independent of the DTX infrastructure, could be constructed later. Its deferral would enable a cost reduction of up to $221 million, uh, plus the value of the right of way. BART has indicated and, and submitted written documentation that they have no objections to deferring the connector. It actually gives them time to go ahead and study their Embarcadero and Montgomery Station modernization plans to understand better the capacity and how to provide that capacity. And finally, the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency has volunteered an offer to assist with any kind of street-level wayfinding uh, in order to provide for connections between markets and the Transbay, uh, transit center. The final point is that the 4th and Townsend Street Station represents a single point of failure. Um, I would like to point out that Caltrain and the high-speed rail operational analysis that was conducted in 2021 proposed the current two-track and three-platform configuration that is included as part of the design. As part of that evaluation, there were a number of simulations that took into account both normal and perturbed conditions. So the perturbed conditions would be in in the event of an accident. Um, They did those simulations and yet made the recommendation today for the configurations of the track because the track designs include crossovers at either end of the station that would allow for trains to continue to operate in the event of any kind of um, perturbed condition. So we don't see the designs that are currently before you as part of this evaluation in any way affecting the um, operations and the operation flexibility of the project. So I just wanted to make those points and now I'll quickly move through the NEPA reevaluation because I know your time is short. Next slide Alfonso. So let's talk about the National Environmental Policy Act. The basis for what is called a reevaluation, they're very, very similar to what the CEQA addendum requires. So. In NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act parlance, the equivalent of an addendum is the reevaluation. And the reevaluation simply asks, are there changes to the project? Are there changes to the setting? Are there changes to circumstances under which the project would be implemented exactly the same as CEQA? Um, So we have no basis to believe that there would not be a reason to go ahead and prepare the reevaluation. There are some slight differences, and they talk a little bit about whether or not the lead agency is moving into a new stage of approval or there's been a lapse of time. In this case, we are moving into the engineering phase and there has been about three years since the previous environmental document was approved by FTA. The analysis that's being prepared as part of the reevaluation demonstrates that the impacts associated with those changes and with the lapse in time do not rise to a level where there's a new, significant adverse effect, or substantially worse than previously reported. So the supplemental environmental impact statement remains valid. So just to give you a quick idea of what we are doing right now, or have been doing. Uh, next slide. Um, this slide shows the composition of the reevaluation that's being produced on behalf of the TJPA and being submitted to the G- TJ, um, FTA. So in, there are basically four documents. There's the reevaluation itself, and then three supporting technical studies. Next slide. This gives you a quick idea of the timeline. So as early as September of last year, we did submit the reevaluation and the technical documents to the FTA. They have provided comments and asked for some revisions. So as of November and December, we did go ahead and revise those documents, and they were resubmitted to the FTA, the FTA did ask that we engage in consultation with Native American tribes and with the State Historic Preservation Office. Those activities have also been done and completed. Um, So coming this January and March, the bright 2023, we do expect the Section 106 or the Historic Cultural Resources Evaluation to be complete uh, through SHPO, the State Historic Preservation Officer and we will go ahead and continue the refinements of the revisions with Federal Transit Administration leading to hooray um, by April or May issuance from FTA in acceptance of the reevaluation. That concludes my very long presentation. I apologize it went so long. <laughs> Thank you for your presentation and for all of your work.
0: Colleagues, you wanna talk, oh, Director Lipkin.
3: Thank you for the thorough presentation and the report that went with it, having spent a lot of time with some CEQA uh, documents lately. <laughs> yes. Uh, and just to make sure, can you just confirm whether any of these changes would render any other alternatives that were previously found infeasible to now be feasible in, as you look at the revised designs that
10: you're putting forward? Yeah, that, that was exactly the point I was trying to make a little bit earlier, but it got a little clunky. Um, yes, so previously the two-track configuration for the mine tunnel, there were problems identified with it, and so the decision at the 2018 Supplemental Environmental Document and Approval went forward with three tracks. Based on the further operational analysis performed by TJPA, High Speed Rail Authority, Caltrain, um, and the recommendations that were presented to the IPMT, and the Executive Steering Committee, Uh, the simulations showed that you could operate with two tracks rather than three tracks. So that represents an alternative that was considered infeasible before. It is now feasible based on the simulation analyses and technical work that's been completed. And it is an action that is being taken by the TJPA board or today to go ahead and adopt that. If it were the decision of the board to decline that recommendation, then there would be a basis to go ahead and do more environmental documentation because you would have to explain to the public why you found an alternative or a mitigation measure that could reduce impacts, and yet you're not taking advantage of that.
8: Yeah, thank you very much.
10: Sorry. Director Shaw.
8: I have one question. On one of the slides you talked, and it had to do with the Townsend Station. Mm -hmm. Um, And it said something about it's moving the risk from the Caltrain maintenance yard to Townsend. What does that mean?
10: Oh. So the original design for the tunnel stub box um, occupied more of the Caltrain rail yard. It was a larger uh, piece of infrastructure. It's now being shifted so that it no longer occupies as much space on the Caltrain Rail Yard. In fact, most of it moves up onto Townsend Street, and there's a small sliver that remains um, along the northern perimeter of the Caltrain Rail Yard. So the the impacts are being shifted from one location to the other, but those impacts that are being shifted are gonna be less because (laughs) the tunnel stop box is gonna be smaller and not dug as deep.
8: So there's not a big impact to Townsend, you're saying? There's not a big... Impact to Townsend itself
10: there will be an impact to Townsend Street, and that will be combined with the changes to the 4th and Townsend Street Station, the impacts along Townsend Street, primarily between 4th and 7th Street, are gonna be those that I mentioned, primarily construction-related. They'll be related to circulation, air emissions, noise and vibration, all during the construction period. All of those, all of those potential impacts, however, would be mitigated to less than significant, and not anything greater than previously reported by the previously adopted mitigation measures.
8: So short-term, short-term, yes. not long-term Correct. issues with Construction. transportation along that corridor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you.
0: All right. Let's take public comments.
1: All right. <clears throat> we'll go ahead and check the room for public comment before allowing the... Uh, Member online, there are no members in the room wishing to provide public comment. Moderator, go ahead and let the caller through.
4: Hello again, uh, directors, and uh, thank you for the um, the discussion. Um, But I do notice the letters missing from the packet. I appreciate uh, someone uh, could add it. But but the point here is very clear: is that an addendum is inappropriate because the reduction from three to two tracks uh, triggers uh, items number two and three, and therefore you got a legal, a legal mandate for a supplemental EIR. Um, I'd like to clarify um, a couple of things. Uh, the question about Townsend, you've got to remember what happened when the Powell Street um, station was constructed. You looking at the same kind of impacts for the entire length of Townsend between seven and Pagan, for a, period, a total of Four years. How are you going to be operating buses in that corridor? Um, the issues with the station design basically disappear. If I suggested 11 years ago, you relocate that 4,000 station to 7th Street. At that point in time, at some point, you're going to be able to have a total of four tracks there, and you're no longer going to have an impact on the line. But in wrapping up, the thing I want to bring to the attention of the board is that we have a unique opportunity at this point in time to combine the EIR for the PAX with a potentially supplemental EIR for the DTX and have the entire thing done in half the time and hopefully for half of the current $6.5 billion budget. Thank you.
1: That concludes members of the public that wanted to comment on the item. Okay.
0: well, thank you again. Um, Is there a motion to approve item 14? So moved. Moved by Lipkin. Is there a second? Seconded by Shaw. Um, Madam Secretary, please call the roll.
1: All right, and um, prior to uh, calling roll, I'll go ahead and note just in response that the resolution is attached to the item that has been posted online since uh, last week. That is uh, PDF page uh, 5 to 6, I believe. Uh, with that, uh, Director John Mapiste? Aye. John Baptiste aye. Director Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw? Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. And Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye, as well. And the item is approved. All right. At this time, you're scheduled to go into closed session, pursuant to government code okay. section 54956.9. Uh, prior to clearing the room, though, we'll go ahead and verify if there are any members of the public in the room that wish to provide public comment. Uh, Seeing none, we'll now check for folks online. All right, Um, no folks online as well that wish to provide public comments, so we'll go ahead and clear the room. TV, San Francisco Government Television. Thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. I don't have to gavel.
1: All right, the uh, TJPA Board of Directors meeting of January 12, 2023 is back in open session and in regards to item 18, announcement of closed session, there is no action to report. I'm confirming that there are no members of the public present uh, or online that would like to provide comment on the announcement of closed session. Confirming that, and Director Zett does conclude the business before you today.
0: All right, and we are adjourned.
1: Thank you. Thank you.